0: Well, the past uh, several months, uh, there's been a lot of things that have happened. A lot of you see things on, uh, uh, on email, Facebook, and things like that, that um, are, are disturbing. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think about the recent deaths we've had. I think about, uh, you know, my father-in-law was a wonderful, gracious man, lived to be 91 years old, passed away recently. You know, I think of a death of a little three-month-year-old boy uh, that uh, his parents lost him. I think of uh, Ryan uh, Logue, a young man uh, like that, is gone from his family and his loved ones. I think of the pastor's wife who was killed in a tragic accident. The daughter was hurt. I think of all the illnesses that we encounter. I think of small, a small children, cancer in small children. And I've just been pondering over these things, and um, it just kind of sets a a uh, a pall or a gloom over things. And when we went to Ryan's funeral last Friday, I. Uh, I, I thought in that room of the sorrow in that room, and I thought of the degrees of grief and I, and I looked at jim Jim and Cindy, and I thought you know losing a, losing a child, using a young man so gifted and then I thought of the siblings, and I thought of the cousins, I thought of the aunts and uncles that were in that sorrow and Mike done a, a, just a magnificent job of declaring you know, that Ryan was a believer and that death has no victory over him. Uh, Mike opened the service with, He who believes in me, believes in Jesus, shall never die. And when Grandpa was sick or my father-in-law was sick, we prayed over him many times. I just loved to pray that prayer. I could just about feel his body light up when I said that. We would pray that over him. He who believes in me shall never die. And so, you know, going through, you know, all that, I was just just contemplating, you know, I wasn't overwhelmed with it, but I just was contemplating the sorrow and the sadness uh, as we walked through this world. And the funeral, Ryan's funeral was in in Lesur, and I had a uh, chance, uh, we had set it up, uh, the day before to see a cousin of mine uh, he 's eighty seven years old uh, his mother and my dad were brother and sister and so i thought well it 's a good chance to go and see Wally. I just always admired him. He was obviously older than me, but uh, it, it was just it was just, it was just something about him it was so attractive i mean he he was a handsome guy, but he was so engaging i mean he would you know, even though I was younger, you know, uh, you know, he's one of the cousins that would call me Digger. You know, Digger, how you doing? Well, I got the name Digger because I had a little cemetery, and <laughs> seriously, anything that died, I buried it. You know, I had some tragic, tragic funerals. I had a litter of cats one time. The tomcat came, killed them all. Oh, that was so sorrowful. I mean, that was so sad. And little crosses and stuff. And, and we buried our little rat terrier. She died. And, well, I had, so, I mean, uh, you know, the kids would come over and play. What's this? Well, that's the that's, that's Bobby. And I wasn't Bob down there. I was Bobby. Well, that's Bobby's cemetery. Well, digger. Oh, you know, digger, how you doing? You know? So, anyway, I just, had a, I just had a great, great fondness for Wally. And, and so we had a chance to go and see him. And we spent a little more than an hour with him. And he was just, he was laying in bed, he was in assisted living, but that day he was just tired, and, but, uh, and he was laying in bed, and uh, he, very cognitive, very sharp, in fact, he's just got an uncanny ability of, of, of birthdays, and, uh, you know, I told him, you know, about this incident, he would say, yeah, that was in 1967, or something like that, and so, I mean, we had a great, great visit with him. He had an insurance business down in St. Peter, lived there for many years. And so, as we talked with him, uh, I went in the other room. I said, well, do you mind if I go over there? And then I want to, you know, look at some of his pictures. So I did, and I took some pictures of the pictures to, to bring them home. I sent them to my uh, sister in Wisconsin because they, were, they grew up really closer. Uh, and they were, they were very, very good friends. and But... You know, he had five children, and the, the, there's, he had four of them that committed suicide, four of his children. The two boys, one of them shot himself, one of them hung himself. The two girls uh, had a planned suicide, not together. They were about a year apart, and uh, they both uh, took some pills and, and uh, a um, planned suicide. You know, and and he's sitting there, you know, talking to Wally. Wally was just so composed, and he says, you know, I think about that every day. You know, and I I just left there, I thought, you know, just, we were just kind of processing that as we came home from Ryan's funeral. And, and, um, you know, it's just incomprehensible of those things happening, but yet he made it through. You know, before we left, I said, Wally, can we pray with you? And, and uh, yeah, yeah. We grabbed his hands and prayed with him and stuff. And uh, before I left, I hadn't seen him since 1967. And, and just as we were leaving the door, he said, Come on back. He said, Come on back. So, I mean, we blessed him with our visit and we're going to go back there again, you know. But well, anyway, that night, Friday night, I, I had a sermon planned. You know, and those of you that have preached, I like this, haven't had this happen many times, but uh, I had a sermon planned, you know, and, and of course, I'm, you know, I'm laying there, and I usually, I only need about five hours of sleep, and so I'm awake at anywhere from three thirty, four o'clock, and I just, I was just going over that, you know, because I want to kind of polish it up a little bit, you know. And uh, anyway, um, Isaiah 53 just totally dominated my mind, and just, it was just, I couldn't think of nothing else. And, and, and I had a real pleasure thinking about it because those of you that, many of you know Isaiah 53, but if you don't, hopefully by today you'll know a little bit more about it and what it says. And that was just, just just uh, that's all I could think about. And I thought, oh, Lord, wait a minute, i got to think about the sermon. But I couldn't do it. And then finally I just kind of gave in and just let the thoughts flow. How many of you know that Uh, the Holy Spirit will invade your thinking. I mean, He'll just uh, invade, is maybe the wrong word, but He'll he'll kind of pressure. Maybe that's not the right word yet. But He will involve Himself in your thoughts. And He'll stay there. He's a gentleman. If you want Him out, He'll leave. But He just stays there. He stays there. And that's what happens. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to preach on Isaiah 53. And so if you want to turn there, Mike, if you want to put that up there, or, okay. Um, Isaiah 53, you know, the Holy Spirit decided, this was prophesied 700 years before this actually happened. And uh, this prophetic word that the prophet Isaiah had proclaimed was uh, one of 300 uh, prophecies that were fulfilled, and this is one of them. And as we read through this, you'll see, you'll see the uh, how this has come true. Isaiah 53 starts out, "Who has believed our report?" There's 12 verses here. I'm going to get through them. I don't think it'll take us too long. Who has believed our report, and whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Even back then, the prophet Isaiah says, who's going to believe this? Who is going to believe this? Who could possibly believe this? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord represents the power of the Lord, and it's revealed to us now. It's going to be revealed to us in this prophetic word. For he, meaning Jesus, grew up before him as a tender plant, grew up before God as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He grew up as a tender plant, like you and I grew up, tiny babies. And he grew up just like that, truly human. Truly human, truly just like us, perfect representative of us. He grew up as a tiny plant. Out of dry ground, not only was he in an arid community out of dry ground, but also spiritually the land was dry. You know, the Bible says in Matthew, you know, and, and, and uh, the perfect time had come. The perfect time had come for him to be revealed. So he come out of this not only geographically dry area, but also a spiritually dry area. And he says he had no form or comeliness, and when he, we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. We all see all the pictures, artists, uh, depictions of Jesus. He's the most handsome man you've ever seen. But somehow the scriptures tell us things that are contrary to that. Did you ever notice that when Judas betrayed Jesus, he had to go and kiss him uh, and say, this is the one? Uh, I don't think he stood out uh, in any way, shape, or form physically like we like to think. And this kind of tells us that also. We had really nothing to be attracted to him for because he was very, very average, a very, very common man. If he was Superman, then he died for the Superman. But you and I aren't Supermen. We're just men and women. We're just common. Common uh, in every way, and that's what he was. Common in every way. But not sinning. Verse 3 says, he is despised and rejected of men. He's despised and rejected of men then, and he, was despised, he is despised and rejected today. He was despised and rebe- uh, disrespected back then. He only lived to be 33 years old, roughly. Uh, he didn't make it. <laughs> uh, imagine, uh, you know, he, he was uh, hallelujahed one minute and killed the next. But he was despised. Today he's despised and rejected. We have people that don't don't don't. He's a swear word. He's a swear word, just like the other four-letter words or whatever words there are. He's just another common slang word, and he is so rejected that even uh, there's been religions that have been started without his name in it. So that's how he's been rejected. There are religions that uh, he is not the deity. He is not the one. He is not the holy one. He's still rejected today. <clears throat> a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as if our faces from him. He was esteemed, and we uh, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. He was acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows. When he was walking the earth, if you recall, one time he looked over Jerusalem and he said, "Oh Jerusalem, if you only knew who I was." If you only knew at this hour, this is your hour of visitation, and I'm here. I'm here to set you free. But they, they, they didn't acknowledge him as, as such. And he had grief. He saw the grief. He's, he saw death. He saw illnesses. He saw murders. He saw tragedies that, 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 that so saddened him because man was not created this way man wasn't created to hate he wasn't created to fight with one another he was created to love so this brought him great great sorrow and we hid our faces from him he was despised we esteemed him not we hid our faces from him when we walked by when they walked by the cross they hid our faces oh look at that look at that marred man Oh, who is he? <clears throat> That's a criminal. Oh, I'm not going to regard him. Verse 4 says Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Surely he has borne our griefs. That word literally means infirmity or disease. That's what that means. I don't know why our translators did this. In fact, if you want to turn over to Matthew uh, Matthew uh, chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying himself, he took our infirmities and bear our diseases or bear our sicknesses. I don't know why they want to do this. I, here in the Gospels, they call it sicknesses and diseases, but from the, true, the prophetic word, they want to translate it grief. I don't know why they did that, but thankfully we can see through that and see what the real word What I'm saying, why I'm saying that is he bore, he wore, he put on our sickness and disease. Now, if you wonder why we have a healing service and why we're going to have one on Saturday night, we'll stand on this one. He bore our sicknesses and he bore our diseases. That was a fulfilling when he said that, I'm going to read 17 again, that it might be fulfilled which is spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying himself took our infirmities and Bear our sickness. Hallelujah. I love that. I love that. <clears throat> and the rest and, and also carried our sorrows. This is what this is what draw, drew me to this, and I believe why the Holy Spirit showed me this. The sorrow. The sorrow. The sorrow. Amazing. Just in the last, just in the last encapsulated in the last two months. The sorrow. But he carried that. His identification with us is, I have it too. I'm taking it. I'm wearing it. I'm bearing it. Thankfully, we have a relational Savior that, that stands up boldly and says, I'm taking your sicknesses. I'm taking your diseases. I'm taking your sorrow. What a Savior that is. And yet... And yet we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. This is going to explain itself in a few minutes. Verse 5, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. If you would like, turn over to First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. He who who has in his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, meaning the cross, that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness and by whose stripes we are healed. Amen. Again, fulfilling scripture right before their very eyes. And so we see that by him being afflicted and him being wounded, verse 5, wounded actually means pierced. And anybody that's familiar with the crucifixion of Jesus knows what that means, the piercing of the spear in his side. He was bruised for our iniquities. The bruising was not only external, we concentrate uh, a lot, it's only natural for us to do that, on the outer bruising of his body, the horrible beating that he took. Um, they even say that his face was so marred he was unrecognizable as a man a lot of times what they do to add to the torture to the horror of the torture they put a sack over his head and that way you don't know when you're going to get hit otherwise if you know when you're going to get hit you can brace yourself a little bit but they say that whip came came around and just it tore his face up too he was marred beyond recognition and the bruising, the external bruising that we talk about so much, there was also an internal bruising. He was bursting apart because of what he had seen, of what the sin had done. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. The chastisement of our peace, the word chastisement means correction, correction. Or chastening uh, or disciplining, not punishing in this sense it 's more of a guiding the guiding of our peace, the guiding of our well being with God, was upon him this summer when I was mowing I, I just I had to go tell Lynette. I, I was just awesome I, we were mowing. I can point exactly where the spot we were mowing this summer, and that word just came to me: the chastisement of our peace was upon him, just came alive, and I thought, Lord, you know, this is a big book, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but why that, I mean, why did you say, you're my son, and you'll live forever, or something like that, but the chastisement of our peace was upon him, that blessed me, I I just, maybe he was preparing me today, for today, I don't know, but that was awesome, Verse 6, and, all, and and we all like sheep have gone astray, turned everyone his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Everyone in this room, that's us all. Every iniquity, every sin that we've committed, everything that we've done wrong, he's paid for it. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter we're going through a class on Wednesday night about taking no offense. And we concluded last Wednesday night with, you're never more like Jesus than when you're attacked and you say nothing. You're never more like him. This is what he did. Never said a word. Never said a word. And he was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Some of you have raised, uh, uh, you know, livestock, raised sheep and stuff like that. And, you know, they say that sheep are dumb. They're, stu- they're stubborn and they're dumb. You know, that, and, and the analogy Jesus used so many times was, that's us. Stubborn and dumb. But a sheep, you can take a lamb and you can pet that lamb and you can hold that lamb and you can just quietly slice their throat and they'll bleed to death right in front of you. That is a depiction of our Savior. That's how willing he was to go to the cross, and that's how willing he was to do that for you and me. Verse 8 says, He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. Verse nine says, And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. When they when they talk about making his grave with the wicked, he had no pomp and circumstance burial. The one thing in the Jewish tradition is a really, really good funeral procession. You had the you had the speakers, you read the word, it was a a, a nice formal uh, procedure, nice formal funeral, nothing like this. In fact, Joseph of Arimathea, who was, by the, by the way, wealthy, and this verse says uh, that he was, uh, and with the rich in his death, he was a very wealthy man, and he actually asked for the body of Jesus. I don't know what they'd have done if he wouldn't ask, but obviously God took care of that. But he took and asked for the body of Jesus, and I have, I, he was wealthy enough, owned a tomb, and put him in that tomb. And verse 10 says, And yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him to grief when thou didst make his soul an offering for sin. When it says that it pleased the Lord, that is not a sadistic attitude that our Heavenly Father had, but it pleased him that I have the perfect sacrifice. That's what he was pleased about. He was pleased to do this because of the benefit that came to you and I. And he put him to grief. The grief that Jesus had, he saw it, he knew it, and that satisfied the Heavenly Father. He knew the grief he had. In fact, before in the garden, before he was crucified, he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me, Lord? You know, this, that, those statements, whatever Jesus made, is put down in ink. But it, with us being there, you know that wasn't a question of, like, why is this happening to me? He cried out from the depths of anything he had and said, oh, why? 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 And when he, and continuing in verse 10, and when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed and he shall prolong prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. When he shall see his seed, that's us. We are the seed. We are going to have a resurrected life just like he did. So we are his seed. We can identify with that. And to prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It was very, very honorable in the Jewish tradition to live a long life. The reason was because that's what was promised to you. So if you lived a long life, you could reflect back and say, you know, the Lord had a commandment there. That if I obey my parents, I'll have a long life. So a long life, if you've seen an old Jewish man, you said, that man was keeping the law as best as he could. And prosperity was another blessing of the Lord back then. And he's closing in that verse and saying, um, "Then the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11 says, he shall see the travail of his soul, meaning Jesus, and shall be satisfied. He was satisfied with the depth of agony and passion that Jesus had. He was satisfied with that. Yes. He, he gave it all. He, he gave every bit of it. It says here that uh, by, the, not, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Still, it's for you and me. This is for us. Verse 12. And therefore, I will divide him a portion of the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. He had nothing left to give. He gave absolutely everything, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. We're going to close with this verse. So I'm going to divide him a portion of the great. I'm going to divide the spoils. Jesus divides the spoils. He doesn't keep nothing for himself. In fact, I'm going to read here in Romans 8. Romans 8, 16, and 17. And if we are uh, the children of God, who we are by faith in Jesus Christ, then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Jesus shares everything, He shares his kingdom. Join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together with him. When he was on that cross, we were on that cross. We should have been on that cross, but he took our place instead. And he was numbered with the transgressors. Amazing statement. That's like him saying, I'm with them. I'm with every murderer. I'm with every drug dealer. I'm with every sexually immoral person. I'm with every every thief. I'm with every killer. Number me with them and became one of us. And he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Today, Jesus today is interceding for us. The Lord gave me a little picture of the Heavenly Father in His throne and Jesus on His right-hand side. He says, you know, Father, we did it, didn't we? We did it. We're done. We got it done. And now they've directed the Holy Spirit to come onto the earth And he is the one that is opening our hearts. He is the one that is softening us to this wonderful gospel. He is the one that is preparing our hearts and our minds that we can believe something like this. You know, in the first verse, the prophet said, who's going to believe this? Who is going to have faith in this? And we have the Holy Spirit today leading and guiding, comforting us. I think I, I, the equipping of us today, we are equipped by the Holy Spirit, living inside of us, knowing that God loves us. I think Mike says this every Sunday, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. He wouldn't do this for any other reason. He wouldn't, he wouldn't send the best of heaven down if he didn't love us. And we can live in that. We can enjoy it. You know, I just want to close with take Isaiah 53. And hopefully, if you had never heard it before, put that in your DNA. Seriously. Seriously. Put that in your DNA, and, and, and just, if you're going to get a tattoo this week, you know, put Isaiah 53 right on your back or something like that. And then somebody asks you, what's that for? Oh, gee, I'm glad you asked. Here, oh, here's my Bible, you know. I mean, make that part of your life, Isaiah 53. That's, that's It proclaims Jesus, and it proclaims his work, and it com- complain, uh, uh, proclaims his finished work over and for us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for this great book, this great passage. Thank you for sending the prophet that wrote it. Thank you for the prophetic word that came through, came through before their very eyes. And Father, we thank you that comes true before our very eyes today. By his stripes we are healed. You bore our griefs and our sorrows. You bore our sicknesses and diseases, Lord. We thank you for that. We glorify you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.